Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, July 15th. Shabbat Shalom! This is war. There is so much bad news going on in the world. The war between Russia and Ukraine. The threat of that war widening to a clash between superpowers and nuclear annihilation. The faltering and failing U.S. economy. High inflation with high prices for food, gas, and shelter. Terrorist attacks against the Jewish people in Israel. The looming Iranian threat to wipe Israel off the map. Our own absolutely corrupt U.S. government with criminals, thugs, and thieves occupying the highest offices in the land, in the Oval Office and courthouses, and Congress. The soon-coming CBDCs, which will take away all financial freedom, are more than 900 J6 prisoners languishing in the Washington, D.C. Gulag prisons. The child mutilation happening on a wide scale because of the transgender brainwashing agenda in our schools. Human and child sex trafficking. All of this makes me so sick and so angry at the evil, the corruption, and the injustice and the suffering of our children. It grieves my heart, and it makes me weary, and I wonder when, when, Yeshua, will you come back and set things right? It vexes my spirit and makes me so weary. I know others are starting to feel weary as well. I want to encourage you with these words from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 17 to 27. I believe it explains what is happening right now in the earth, what we are going through right now, and how, in the end, God wins. Daniel 7 These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, for all ages to come. I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others. Exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron, and its claws of bronze, which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, 
out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and will subdue three kings. He will speak out against the Most High, and wear down the saints of the Highest One. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law. And they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. That's 42 months. But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the Highest One. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey Him. Daniel 7, 17-27 What do we see from this passage? The final and last kingdom just prior to the return of Messiah Yeshua is this fourth dreadful and terrifying beast. This beast system tramples on the saints, attempting to tread them down and crush them. The beast speaks out against the Most High, and this wears down the saints. We have been warned in advance of how this beast system operates. They use the mainstream media to speak lies, to wear us down, to do psychological warfare against us, to trample upon us and to crush us. How do we combat this? First, realize and understand that this beast system is only for a time. It is only allowed dominion and authority over us for 42 months. This will pass. Second, understand that your mind, thoughts, and spirit are under tremendous attack. We must renew our minds and restore our spirits by being in the Word of God. Spend time with Yeshua, the lover of your soul, in your secret place, on a daily basis. Be encouraged and strengthened in His Word and in His promises and in His covenant with you, His saints. Do not weary in doing good. Stay the course. Stay on task. Stay focused on the mission. And know that God is with you. He will bring you to the finish line. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Masai, which means tribes, and Matot, which means stages. Numbers 36, 1-13 The family heads in the clan of the descendants of Gilead, son of Maker, son of Manasseh, one of the Joseph clans, came forward and appealed to Moses and the chieftains, family heads of the Israelites. They said, Hashem commanded my Lord to assign the land to the Israelites as shares by lot, and my Lord was further commanded by Hashem to assign the share of our kinsman Zelophad to his daughters. 
Now, if they marry persons from another Israelite tribe, their share will be cut off from our ancestral portion and be added to the portion of the tribe into which they marry. Thus, our allotted portion will be diminished. And even when the Israelites observe the Jubilee, their share will be added to that of the tribe into which they marry, and their share will be cut off from the ancestral portion of our tribe. So Moses, at Hashem's bidding, instructed the Israelites, saying, The plea of the Joseph tribe is just. This is what Hashem has commanded concerning the daughters of Zelophad. They may marry anyone they wish, provided they marry into a clan of their father's tribe. No inheritance of the Israelites may pass over from one tribe to another, but the Israelites must remain bound each to the ancestral portion of his tribe. Every daughter among the Israelite tribes who inherits a share must marry someone from a clan of her father's tribe in order that every Israelite may keep his ancestral share. Thus, no inheritance shall pass over from one tribe to another, but the Israelite tribe shall remain bound, each to its portion. The daughters of Zelophad did as Hashem had commanded Moses, Makla, Tertza, Chagla, Milka, and Noah, Zelophad's daughters, were married to sons of their uncles, marrying into clans of descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, and so their share remained in the tribe of their father's clan. These are the commandments and regulations that Hashem enjoined upon the Israelites through Moses on the steps of Moab at the Jordan near Jericho. First Chronicles 19.1-21.30 Sometime afterward, Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, died, and his son succeeded him as king. David said, I will keep faith with Hanun, son of Nahash, since his father kept faith with me. David sent messengers with condolences to him over his father. But when David's courtiers came to the land of Ammon to Hanun with condolences, the Ammonite officials said to Hanun, Do you think David is really honoring your father just because he sent you men with condolences? Why, it is to explore, to subvert, and to spy out the land that his courtiers have come to you. So Hanan seized David's courtiers, shaved them, and cut away half of their garments up to their buttocks, and sent them off. When David was told about the men, he dispatched others to meet them, for the men were greatly embarrassed. And the king gave orders, Stay in Jericho until your beards grow back. Then you can return. The Ammonites realized that they had incurred the wrath of David. So Hanan and the Ammonites sent 1,000 silver kikarim to hire chariots and horsemen from Aram Neharam, Aram Makkah, and Zobah. They hired 32,000 chariots, the king of Makkah, and his army, who came and encamped before Mediba. The Ammonites were mobilized from their cities and came to do battle. On learning this, David sent out Joab and the whole army, including the professional fighters. The Ammonites marched out and took up their battle position at the entrance of the city, while the kings who came took their stand separately in the open. Joab saw that there was a battle line against him, both front and rear. 
So he made a selection from all the picked men of Israel and arrayed them against the Arameans, and the rest of the troops he put under the command of his brother Abishai and arrayed them against the Ammonites. Joab said, If the Arameans prove too strong for me, you come to my aid, and if the Ammonites prove too strong for you, I will come to your aid. Let us be strong and resolute for the sake of our people and the towns of our God, and Hashem will do what he deems right. Joab and the troops with him marched into battle against the Arameans who fled before him. And when the Ammonites saw that the Arameans had fled, they too fled before his brother Abishai and withdrew into the city. So Joab went to Jerusalem. When the Arameans saw that they had been routed by Israel, they sent messengers to bring out the Arameans from across the Euphrates. Shaphak, Hadadezer's army commander, led them. David was informed of it. He assembled all Israel, crossed the Jordan, and came and took up positions against them. David drew up his forces against Aram, and they fought with him. But the Arameans were put to flight by Israel. David killed 7,000 Aramean charioteers and 40,000 footmen. He also killed Shaphak, the army commander. And when all the vassals of Hadadezer saw that they had been routed by Israel, they submitted to David and became his vassals. And the Arameans would not help the Ammonites any more. At the turn of the year, the season when kings go out to battle, Joab led out the army force and devastated the land of Ammon, and then besieged Rabbah, while David remained in Jerusalem. Joab reduced Rabbah and left it in ruins. David took the crown from the head of their king. He found that it weighed a kikar of gold, and in it were precious stones. It was placed on David's head. He also carried off a vast amount of booty from the city. He led out the people who lived there, and he hacked them with saws and iron threshing boards and axes. David did thus to all the towns of Ammon. Then David and all his troops returned to Jerusalem. After this, fighting broke out with the Philistines at Gezer. That was when Sibachai the Hushathite killed Sippai, a descendant of the Rephaim, and they were humbled. Again, there was a fighting with the Philistines, and Elkanan, son of Yair, killed Lami, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite. His spear had a shaft like a weaver's beam. Once again, there was fighting at Gath. There was a giant of a man who had twenty-four fingers and toes, six on each hand and six on each foot. He too was descended from the Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of David's brother Shemiah, killed him. These were the descended from the Rapha and Gath, and they fell by the hands of David and his men. Satan arose against Israel and incited David to number Israel. David said to Joab and to the commanders of the army, Go and count Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and bring me information as to their number. Joab answered, 
May Hashem increase his people a hundredfold. My Lord King, are they not all subjects of my Lord? Why should my Lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? However, the king's command to Joab remained firm, so Joab set out and traversed all Israel. He then came to Jerusalem. Joab reported to David the number of the people that had been recorded. All Israel comprised 1,100,000 ready to draw the sword, while in Yehuda there were 470,000 men ready to draw the sword. He did not record among them Levi and Benjamin because the king's command had become repugnant to Joab. Hashem was displeased about this matter, and he struck Israel. David said to Hashem, I have sinned grievously in having done this thing. Please remit the guilt of your servant, for I have acted foolishly. Hashem ordered Gad, David's seer, Go and tell David, Thus said Hashem, I offer you three things. Choose one of them, and I will bring it upon you. Gad came to David and told him, Thus said Hashem, Select for yourself a three-year famine, or that you be swept away three months before your adversaries, with the sword of your enemies overtaking you, or three days of the sword of Hashem, pestilence in the land. The angel of Hashem wreaking destruction throughout the territory of Israel. Now consider what reply I shall take back to him who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let me fall into the hands of Hashem, for his compassion is very great. And let me not fall into the hands of men. Hashem sent a pestilence upon Israel, and 70,000 men fell in Israel. Hashem sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to wreak destruction, Hashem saw and renounced further punishment and said to the destroying angel, Enough, stay your hand. The angel of Hashem was then standing by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel of Hashem standing between heaven and earth with a drawn sword in his hand directed against Jerusalem. David and the elders, covered in sackcloth, threw themselves on their faces. David said to Hashem, Was it not I alone who ordered the numbering of the people? I alone am guilty and have caused severe harm. But these sheep, what have they done? Hashem, my God, let your hand fall upon me and my father's house, and let not your people be plagued. The angel of Hashem told Gad to inform David that David should go and set up an altar to Hashem on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. David went up and following Gad's instructions, which he had delivered in the name of Hashem, Ornan saw, too, the angel. His four sons, who were with him, hid themselves while Ornan kept on threshing wheat. David came to Ornan, and when Ornan looked up, he saw David and came off the threshing floor and bowed low to David with his face to the ground. David said to Ornan, Sell me the site of the threshing floor, 
that I may build on it an altar to Hashem. Sell it to me at the full price that the plague against the people will be checked. Ornan said to David, Take it and let my lord the king do whatever he sees fit. See, I donate oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing boards for wood as well as wheat for a meal offering. I donate all of it. But King David replied to Ornan, No, I will buy them at the full price. I cannot make a present to God of what belongs to you or sacrifice a burnt offering that has cost me nothing. So David paid Ornan for the site 600 shekels worth of gold, and David built there an altar to Hashem and sacrificed burnt offerings and offerings of well-being. He invoked Hashem, who answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offerings. Hashem ordered the angel to return his sword to its sheath. At that time, when David saw that Hashem answered him at the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the Mishkan of Hashem, which Moses had made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offerings were at that time in the shrine at Gibbon, and David was unable to go to it to worship Hashem, because he was terrified by the sword of the angel of Hashem. Romans 2.25-3.8 For circumcision verily profits if you keep the Torah, but if you be a breaker of the Torah, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the Torah, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the Torah, judge you who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the Torah? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. What advantage then has the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yes, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you might be justified in your sayings, and might overcome when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who takes vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, Let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. 
Psalm 11, 1-7 In the Lord put my trust. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord, the Lord loves righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. Proverbs 19, 10-12 Delight is not seemly for a fool, much less for a servant to have rule over princes. The discretion of a man defers his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion, but his favor is as the dew upon the grass. Please enjoy this beautiful worship song, Come Alive, Dry Bones, sung by Lauren Diggle.
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs> 